Welcome back for another episode of the AEC Disruptors. This week, we have um, two guests from Live View Technologies. Uh, I'd love to have you each kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, Steve, you want to you wanna start? Yeah, my name is Steve Lindsay. I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at Live View Technologies. Uh, my background is in electronics, computer, software, enterprise, cloud computing, cybersecurity. Um, so, uh, yeah, my main role is to oversee the uh, software electronics uh, engineering efforts and making sure that we're using the right practices, right software, uh, best practices, the right architectures to be able to provide the software solutions and products and services that we offer our customers. Very good. See, well done, David. Can you, can you step up to that? David. I can't beat that, uh, but usually I'm in Steve's shadow, so it's, it's part of the course. So my name is Dave Stuttert, um, the Chief Revenue Officer at Livey Technology. From a background perspective, um, you know, I studied interna international law and diplomacy and then went on to do a lot of overseas work. So I am completely and woefully underqualified to do anything with sales or marketing, but now currently manage both. Uh, so it really speaks to the, the product itself and what Steve and his technology team have developed over the years. So uh, Ben here, Steve and I came about the same time over 10 years ago um, and round out the founding partner group and uh, excited for the opportunity to chat today. Absolutely. We're excited to have you guys. So before we get started, we always kind of um, like to set the stage in this specific case, kind of understand a little bit about who Live View Technologies is, kind of what you do. You know, I'd love for one of you to Kind of start and we'll just kind of hear more about what you what you all do so live view technologies uh, a lot of people know us by these uh, mobile towers that are in retail parking lots or on construction sites or critical infrastructure uh, but really what's happening and the magic that's in that box is the ability to automatically detect a threat uh, and that threat it can be defined by the customer um, but when that threat is detected, uh, we go through a process of, of collecting data that would allow us to have better insights as to what's happening. And then we can pass that information in real time onto a security operator or somebody who can respond to that event. Um, the response is usually in the form of getting into that system through the cameras and through its two-way speaker and being able to communicate and interact with that, uh, that intruder on site um, and hopefully get them to uh, be deterred from doing anything bad. Uh, so it'd be stealing anything or causing damage to the property or anything that would cause any liability. Um, so uh, it's, it's a great tool using technology to be able to either augment a guard service or replace the guard service um, and, and be able to have eyes on a project or on a asset of high value or whatever. But that would be the technical description. I don't know. What do you want to add, Dave? You know, I would add this, Steve, a phenomenal job, by the way. Um, Thank you. I think one thing specifically as it relates to the construction industry um, is, is business intelligence. It, it's, it's really become a tool where, you know, initially it's set out to protect assets on a job site or to, um, you know, watch perimeter lines. But over time, a lot of the people in, in, in this particular space, they use it as, as a business intelligence tool. So they can manage their subs on site, you know, are people showing up on time? 
Um, did the safety manager doesn't have to drive out to a site and see if, you know, Tommy's wearing his hard hat. He can now log in or we can even set analytics to, to manage this stuff automatically. So it really, it, it, there's a big transition from just a security centric tool into really a, a business intelligence gathering tool where you can take a lot of different data points that help you do your job better, faster, stronger, safer. Sales guy, tech guy makes a lot of sense. That was brilliant, Dave. You handled that well. Good job. Um, Hi, Gary. I'll be here all, all week. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll get into some of the specifics, but one thing I'm curious kind of as we get started was, what, and I think there was a shift perhaps maybe in your business model, but what was the reason for focusing on security? Yeah, I think um, in the beginning, we were just video, live streaming video. Um, you know, the founders of our company uh, actually were in construction finance. And they wanted to be able to provide a service where a, let's say a, a, a person building a home, they would be able to allow them to get in live and watch the progress of their home getting built, right? And what their hope was, was that through this service, they would be able to convert that, that homeowner from a, from a construction loan into a mortgage where they can actually make money uh, on the loan servicing. Uh, what they found when they deployed these was that the home builder actually had interest in these systems way more than the home owner did. Uh, the home builder, as Dave indicated there, they could use it to uh, uh, make sure that supplies were showing up on time, that workers were doing what they should be doing, that so-and-so didn't leave that tool out there. Uh, you know, different, di you know, the different things that they needed to be able to do that they typically have to hop into a car and go drive to that site and do that for every single construction site that they had. As Dave indicated, they had the ability to now do that in, in real time from a computer in one, in one location. Uh, so as the business evolved, it, it naturally wants to get pulled into a security type use case because what happens when there's nobody on the construction site anymore? Um, what happens to the supplies that are sitting there and all the different tools that are there and whatever? And so there, there tends to be this uh, question by the customer of, hey, can you provide security? So we kept resisting that for years because for the longest time we were just live streaming video. But as we continued to build technology, um, we, we found that we were ready to actually start getting into security where we could be eyes on a project that would replace a guard. Um, and so that was just an evolution that, that, that we took over time. Do you, um, what's your sort of specific customer currently? Is it all, is it one side of the industry or I mean, commercial versus residential? Is it across the board? Like who's your typical customer? It really runs the gamut. Um, in, in, in construction, we see a lot of residential. Um, a lot of commercial, a lot of, a lot of industrial, um, it, it crosses all boundaries, right? Um, assets, especially remote assets, given the industry and the cost of lumber, everybody's a target. It doesn't matter if you're building a 5,000 square foot home on the corner or a 500,000 you know, square foot in industrial complex, everybody's a target. And so we've seen um, you know, deployments across the board that, that range from from small to medium to, to large to, to jumbo. Um, and, and that's, again, it speaks to the technology, right? Because we can configure systems in a way that make more sense. And that can be sensed from a, a, a fiscal uh, perspective, from an output perspective. Uh, but we try to steer uh, our innovation specific to meet the needs of everybody. 
So whether you're small, medium, or large, you know, we've we've got an answer that's going to help you do it, do it better, faster, stronger, safer. Yeah, and as and as Dave indicated, um, you know, when you look at the the breadth of the customers that we're dealing with, we've got the largest uh, center uh, c- uh, companies out there. Uh, you know, we're we're not going to mention names, but imagine these huge cloud companies that have data centers popping up all over the world. Uh, we are on those facilities um, providing very similar services to them um, in project management and in security and, and compliance and all those things as we are to the home builder. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to see kind of the footprint that we have, but yeah, we cover the entire gamut uh, of, of customers there. Coming from the construction side, you know, sometimes security isn't necessarily um, a part of the contract unless it's like the bare minimum of fencing and locks and things like that. Um, and I worked for a mechanical contractor. So one of the things that we really wanted to protect was our copper. You know, the copper is always one of the big things that people try to um, take. Um, and then looking at your website, one of my favorite things about what you do is it seems like the um, the camera itself, along with you know the solar panel and everything like that, it's easy to move throughout the job site. Like, you know, I have a wireless cable box that I bring outside for the big game, and I really like that. And as you move through the construction, um, you know, life cycle delivery lanes or your gate or whatever, it's going to move. Um, so your camera should move. And one of the things that I read um, from a technology perspective is the fact that you know, obviously you don't need power. So it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that comes from the solar panel, but what about the no internet piece that I was reading about on your website? I'll jump in Steve, and then you can add uh, from a technical, technical perspective. Um, copper is always a challenge. Uh, it's, it's a big target. And for us to be able to rapidly deploy. And when, when we say rapidly deploy, we mean we can have these things out and, and, actually moving data in under 30 minutes. Um, so you mentioned solar, right? Everything we do is on um, a solar backbone. We can run shore power, we can plug them in, but uh, 99% of what we do is solar-based and we're actually getting into other alternative power sources like methanol fuel cells. Um, so that's that's one section. Your question is related to the no internet, right? Uh, so everything that we do um, really across the board is on a cellular network. We can do really any metered connection, satellite uplinks, uh, we've done mesh networks and point to points, but pretty much everything we do is on a cellular network where again, rolling something onto site, being very fluid and where it's placed, uh, you, you, your construction sites are very dynamic, right? One day you're laying pavement here and putting the wall there and shrubs there. And the, from the life cycle from, we used to say from, uh, you know, porta potty to porta potty. When they roll out a porta potty, we want, we want to be on site. When they take it off, we want to, we want to leave with it. So we'll run the entire cycle of your project and, and we can move that thing anywhere at any point in the game, right? There's no reason to run power uh, or comm links or anything else. So it's, it's, it's truly a standalone off-grid um, you know, product. Yeah, when, when you look at the history of the company, when I mentioned the two, the two original founders, uh, they were in, con, you know, in, in construction and, and, and housing and the financing side of it. Again, they didn't really know what they were doing right back in the day. So the most obvious thing to do was to do, as you described, you put a pole in a, in a hole in a place like they actually dug a five foot hole 
and they would stick this pole down in there and then bury it and then make sure it would stand up. And then they would take a ladder because the pole was so, was so thin. It was like a four by four pole. And, and they would put ladders on both sides because if you had the weight of one person, it would tip the pole over. So, you know, they, they'd put them up like an A-frame and they would both climb up the, the ladders at the same time. And then they would mount the equipment on top. That's how they started, right? And what they learned through the 15 years that the company has been around is that, yeah, a construction site is extremely fluid. Like they would do all this work. And then a week later, they would get a call by the, the foreman on the site saying, hey, I need you to move that pole. It's in my way. So now they'd have to repeat the entire process over again. It, that's what's so cool about the technology is we have learned through experience what does or doesn't work. And it has caused us to innovate and it has caused us to learn new ways of doing things. And that's where we are today is the fact that we have a solar platform on an axle with a tow hitch was because we learned that yeah, a construction site is very fluid. The fact that we don't want to plug into temporary power on the construction site was because we kept having to move it. We want to be able to deploy a solution at scale um, and be able to have it live without us having to keep babysitting it all the time. So even the technology behind the scenes of what keeps the devices online. I mean, think about your computers at home and your devices that have to be rebooted all the time. These systems are no different. Um, a camera will, will go offline and it will require a human to go out there and power cycle the thing to bring it back. We've invented technology that allows it to do it on its own without a human being involved, just as an example. So there's a whole lot of happening underneath the hood that make this thing really reliable and scalable that a lot of people wouldn't take in consideration, but they're all just lessons that we've learned through the years of, of deploying these things in these rugged, ever-changing environments. Um, can you... So maybe walk us through the process a little bit. Porter Potty ends up on site. What happens next? Graffiti. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> so really it comes down to, you know, we'll have a conversation with someone about their specific needs. If it's, hey, I, I really want to watch this Connex or I want to watch this copper or there's a particular ingress or egress that's troublesome. Um, we'll have a conversation with the end user. The last thing we want to do is sell somebody something that they don't need. Um, we'll make sure it's a good fit, um, both from an output and a, and a financial perspective. And then we, uh, we deploy, right? So we need an address. Um, we'll send our people out, they'll set the systems up. Um, we'll make sure that we're looking specific things on site uh, to where the customer is, is happy and, and pleased with the output. Um, the great thing about the technology is, is it's constantly growing, right? As the internet of things, creates new and, and, and interesting products. We play really well in that space. Steve has, and his team have built this out to where it's really a platform. So if you say, you know, I'd like to collect license plates. Um, if someone comes through the gate, I want to know who it is. Well, we've got LPRs that do that. If you say, I want to paint a virtual bounding box or a fence. And if someone crosses this line after midnight, I want the system to say X. Um, so there's a whole suite of, of, of technology, as Steve mentioned, under the hood that allows us to customize these things um, from that initial deployment when we're talking to the customer, setting it up, making sure that all the output is right. And at that point, it's, it's as simple as logging into the system or, or collecting uh, you know, alerts via email or text message. You can go a lot of different ways, but we've, we've made it, uh, ease of use has always been, and I'll speak for Steve, uh, he's always been a guy that builds to ease of use. If they're not easy to use, no one's gonna use them. Um, I'm not, I, I, I had a hard time you know, getting on the Zoom call today. 
So ease of use is a big deal for us. Uh, we want to make sure people don't have to read an instruction manual and it's, and it's pretty intuitive. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's intended to be a solution, like a service, right? Um, so we, we want to provide a service. We don't want to sell a product or a technology, but we want to sell a service or an outcome. And so the, these construction uh, uh, projects really are protect my stuff, prevent liability, you know, help me manage my project. Um, and however you pull that off, I don't really care because I'm not, I'm not a technology geek and, and nor do we expect our customers to be. So yeah, we take care of everything that they need to know that you don't have to go get your cellular line. You don't have to go find your cameras. You don't have to find anal artificial intelligence analytics. You don't have to do any of it. You just say, I want something right here guarding this. That's the end of the, of, of their involvement. So we try to be that simple. I, I really appreciate the focus on the ease of use because from a contractor perspective, you know, no two days on a construction job site are ever the same. And it like, it doesn't matter if you're what you're building, no two days will be the same. So the fact that you're able to, you know, move it around to wherever it needs to be, you don't have to mess with the electrician every time you move it to say, Hey, you know, quit installing this conduit and go run this temporary power and like take away from the main goal, which is building the building. Cause really contractors, I know I personally didn't think about security until I left and that was just me locking up, but you know, it's, it's nice that you're covered 24 seven and it's really, you know, the ease of use is there and yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Well, and each of these projects are different, right? Like a home, a home, a home construction project is a little more simple and you're dealing with temporary power, right? Where you go interrupt somebody, but man, think about the complexity of building a data center or a mall or something like that, where you've got this large perimeter that you're trying to secure. And you typically now have to involve an IT company an integrator company and all these different groups now that just add to the complexity of the scheduling that I have to have. And it just, you know, all the upfront expense. Um, again, these systems are so just, they're just simple that you can just roll them up and deploy them and move them where you want. And so all of that complexity of infrastructure just goes away. And, and Jackson, I think it's worth mentioning, uh, you made two comments about, you know, usually security is an afterthought, right? It's, it's something that, that people don't want, they want to build something, right? And security is not really high on their priority list. And second, you know, the contractors are busy. This is, uh, this is something that, that is going to take time off of a really limited amount of time they already have. So, Headwinds that we've experienced in the space are, are just those two things, right? And, and our goal is to, hey, let us get equipment out there on site and make it really, really simple. It's the, you don't even have to think about this stuff. Um, it's kind of a set it and forget it type model. And then, you know, quite honestly, we want to make the general contractor's jobs easier. Um, can you have eyes on, right? If something goes south or if there's a liability issue, someone falls off the roof. Well, we want to be able to give you all this data to where you're going to be happy. The, the owners of the project to be happy. The bank's going to be happy. Your insurance provider is going to be happy. So it's just, it's just additional data that helps in, in so many different facets. You kind of alluded to this already in the beginning, Dave, but um, like the operational aspect of it, like, yeah, there's the security aspect, but when you have cameras up all the time, I got to believe that there are some operational things that those could be used for, whether it's tracking in and out or, you know, seeing who's, did people get here on time? You know, can you speak a little bit to what you're seeing in the industry from that perspective? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's a great question. And, and we see it across the board, not just in construction, but all the different industries that we're in, 
people tend to act differently when there's a camera around. I mean, I know I would. Um, and a lot of people don't like Big Brother. They don't like being watched. And that's not our goal, right? Um, but as a project owner or a project manager or a general contractor, the ability to be able to you know, see what your subs are doing on site. If I'm running multiple projects, and a lot of our end users do, they've got 10, 20, two, three, 100 projects going at once. It allows them the efficiency to say, hey, instead of driving across town to check to see you know, my subs work today, I can actually log onto my computer. I can even have a two-way conversation with them on site, uh, hitting a few buttons, where it saves me the time of having to go out and manage stuff face-to-face. -face. I can do it remotely. I can do it quick. Um, on the inverse, uh, contractors or subcontractors, um, they want to be there. They want to be there on time. They don't know when the GC is going to be checking in on them or, or you know, all the way down to theft a lot of the time happens from subs on site who know, you know, the code to the connex where the uh, power tools are. Uh, now, uh, theft goes to zero. A lot of times, a lot of our, our, our contractors experience such a dramatic drop in, in their theft that these systems tend to pay for themselves in, in real quick order. So it runs the gamut, again, from security to business intelligence and some of the uh, other benefits, be it safety managers, um, again, who don't have to drive around a check, you can do it from your office. So lots of benefit. I was going to add to that, that we're seeing this, this, this change in, in how technology is used from how we did it 10 or 20 years ago to how we use it today. And I'll give an example of just even how cameras are used. Um, you know, if, if anyone has watched the movie Die Hard with Bruce Willis, uh, there's, there's a scene where the, the, the security guard's sitting down at the, at the lobby and he's got all of the camera feeds coming into him, right? And he's watching them all. Um, that video wall concept is really starting to go away. I think we're starting to see people use technology like they do in their homes, right? Where you have a, a, a doorbell camera or you might have other cameras and, and you just want to know when there's somebody at the door and you get a notification, oh, that I need to respond, right? And that's how we're starting to see a lot of these cameras being used is it's, it's either I as a user want to proactively go into the camera and see what's happening on my site Right. We, so we call that a live viewing experience. The other one is let me know when there's something that's happened on the site that I need to pay attention to. And, and we have technology now that is sophisticated enough and intelligent enough to be able to detect between a car, a human, a vehicle, or sorry, it's the same thing, <laughs> a vehicle or a cat, whatever it is, right? And, and it can inform them that something is happening um, on that site. And then, therefore, they want to go in and look at it. But these days of, of just having somebody 24-7 watching all the cameras to see if anything bad's happening, I mean, those are, those are going away. And so, uh, you know, being able to use technology and the behaviors of people using them now are, are changing and, and it's actually becoming easier to use. Um, and so, um, yeah, now, now the challenge is who do you want the, to receive those alerts? Do you want it to be you as the construction, as the foreman? Are you the one who wants to respond at 2 a.m.? Or... Can I now hire a, a service that can respond to those events um, using the technology that's already deployed, right? So you're not you're not saying send out a man guard to, to, to man your site, but maybe you're going to pay a small fee to have somebody receive those alerts and be able to respond to them on my behalf. And they'll let me know whenever anything happened, right? So-and-so was on your site at 2 a.m. It looked like they were interested in your copper wire. They, they, they got scared away. But at least that, that foreman now knows, oh, I need to do something a little bit more about my wire, um, right? So that's, that's how we're seeing the technology being used nowadays. David, Steve, I, I just, uh, oh, sorry, Jackson. Steve, I was going to tell you, I, I just looked up Die Hard. 
that came out in 1988. You, you got to come. I'm up old. With a fresher. Look, look at my fresher analogy. Is, is it a Christmas movie <laughs> or not? It is right. Is it a Christmas movie or not? <laughs> Sorry, Jackson, I cut you off. No, I just wanted to say you mentioned deterrence. Just seeing like this giant camera with the solar panel that that's gonna like be step one to deterring people. But you know, I know at home. When I first bought my house, I saw an ADT truck at the end of the street and I went to the guy and I was like, hey, do uh, you got any uh, extra ADT signs lying around for me? So, you know, <laughs> I did I did the same thing. I got a whole bunch of ADT stickers and stuck them on my window, but I didn't even have an ADT system. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's pretty good. I see it all the time. It's, it's like, amazing. Do you want to challenge the place that doesn't have anything up and assume that maybe they do? Or I have to say, no, I don't believe that sign's real. Or I don't believe that camera's actually working. It's phenomenal. The, the, the theft deterrence aspects of what we do and to cross kind of over industries, to give you an idea, we do a, a lot in the grocer space. Some of the, some of the really large grocers in the country um, who've experienced, and even in the big box retail, they've experienced such massive decreases and not only in parking lot events, but from in-store shrinkage, right? Who The amount of theft that's happening inside the stores, that, that just, is a testimony to the theft deterrence. People see them and they're going to go somewhere else instantly, right? Before they even understand the amount of technologies that, that backs these things, it, it is a real theft deterrent. Well, and, and I was going to add too that there's there's value in being able to deter the majority of the threat, right? We're not out to try to do 100%. There's always going to be that crazy person that just somehow you're never going to stop them right? There's that one person, but there's still money savings in deterring the 99% of the, of the threats that would have come in too. So don't think of it as absolutes either. We want it to be absolute, but, but don't, don't disregard the value you get in being able to deter most of what's happened. So what are some of the challenges you may be seeing in terms of like adoption? Like what if, it seems like a no-brainer that we should be keeping track of our um, security and monitoring our job site, but obviously not everyone is going this route. Like, what is kind of some major obstacles that we're running into? You know, I'll start, Steve, and then you can dive in. Um, I think with with COVID and a lot of what we've seen, uh, you know, from you know the political space to um, law enforcement and how we approach law enforcement and, and human capital and traditional boots on the ground. You know, a lot of times people get stuck in, hey, I've done it this way for a lot of years. Well, kind of the environment we're in has, has pushed us into this new space of not only maybe I can't afford a traditional guard service or, or a traditional type security deployment, but I can't even hire people to do a traditional job anymore. Um, we get a lot of that. So we've had some natural, there's been some headwinds um, as people transition in that paradigm between this is the way we've done it for 25 years to now I'm going to use technology to do it better. Um, I'm going to know, I'm going to use technology to augment a, 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 a legacy type solution. Um, so it's, we've really found our, find ourselves in this, in this sweet spot. Um, and I hate to say, you know, silver lining of, of you know, the world that we live in, um, but to be able to provide technology that answers some of those things, it's been a real, uh, you know, a real opportunity for us to expand uh, not only our footprint, but but our goal really at the end of the day is let's make the world a safer place. Steve, go ahead. I'm going to go on record as, as a geek that says this, but I firmly believe that technology should never be used because it's cool. 
Um, you know, it makes no sense whatsoever. So we really got to put our business hats on and we got to say, well, what is it that we're buying? We're not buying the technology. We're buying something else. Technology should be enabler to do things better, faster, more reliable, right? That's all technology is about. And when you look at the history of technology, it's always trying to strive to make things more efficient, more effective and everything else. So again, when you're looking at the problems that you have, you just got to look at, well, what are my costs? What are my risks? And when you start weighing those out, okay, how can technology help me solve that problem? Um, and it may or may not, but if you're just doing it because it's cool, well, then again, that's not the right reason whatsoever. So you've really got to understand your business reasons. And, and I think when we look at it, um, you know, depending on what it is that you're trying to protect, what is the risk in liability or whatever it's out there, how do you measure that? Okay, now what are the options that I have to protect myself and what are those costs? Because I never want to put a $10 solution to fix a $1 problem, right? So I've always got to keep that in mind. And so when I really start getting those numbers in place, it starts making more sense. Like David said, a lot of the big box retailers that we work with, they were spending $12,000 a month on a single guard. Well, we could do the same thing for like two, three, four thousand dollars a month, depending on what they were trying to do. And so that again, the, the numbers are what justify why you're trying to do something. And so when you're looking at construction projects, it's the same thing. You know, if, if I'm trying to put a ten ten thousand dollar solution to protect one dollar, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I'm sure there's there's a ten thousand dollar problem out there that a two thousand dollar solution will fix, and and that's where we really want to play in those spaces because we can help save money. I think that's a great point. It speaks too to that idea of like keeping it simple because so often, especially in our industry, we do throw technology at a problem um, instead of trying to figure out like what are we trying to solve here. And and so I I think it I think that's a great um, great advice for anyone that's looking to adopt new technology. Um, you know, kind of as we start to wrap up, a couple of things we're curious about. Um, one is sort of on this idea of, you know, the future applications where we see this going. We've sort of mentioned, I think, on our pre-call before, um, Steve, but, you know, how are you looking at technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence? Like, how are some of these more um, higher tech algorithmic um, solutions working into what you all are doing? Or is it, at least from a research perspective, something you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, we, we alluded to some of this in, when we talked about having the cameras uh, trigger the events and not having a human, you know, do the diehard watching screens all the time. Um, how does that happen? Well, the way that it works and, and really all machine learning is, is machine learning is saying, I'm going to process all this data just like a human would. And I'm going to learn or I'm going to pull out a behavior or something that, that I can key on that tells me. When I see this with other data streams coming in, that means this, right? And you can look at that from any perspective you want. It can be a video feed, it can be an audio feed, it can just be a feed of, of data that comes from other types of sensors. But whatever that is, it's learning whatever that trend is or that what we call a model. Once you've been able to define what that model is, you can then deploy that model against a similar data stream and this is what we call artificial intelligence, 
Okay, that's kind of the relationship between machine learning and artificial intelligence. So once you deploy the model, let's say on a video stream, now it knows how to look for a human. It knows how to look for a human with a red shirt because it's learned through the machine learning how that works. And that's really what's exciting about technology nowadays is we just have so much data coming in from various sources that we can train these models to then look for these types of trends or, or behaviors. And then that can trigger the event. And that's what this technology is doing with cameras and with other types of sensors as we deploy these on these on these sites. They are very intelligent. They are looking for specific things and therefore they're just way more reliable. And so as we look at the problems that we are trying to solve, there is probably a artificial intelligence way of doing that nowadays um, and doing it economically. You just got to find the right partners that have the experience who have done this before to be able to rely on, right, to know what I should do. I'm probably sure there's, you know, there's, there's a million dollar solution out there on how to detect vehicles and get license plates, but there's probably a thousand dollar solution too. You just got to know who it is and trust who your partners are uh, to, to find those answers for you. You know, I always like to look at um, what other industries do when I'm looking at, you know, what are some ideas we can do or whatever. And I had read at one point about like the, the, the railroad industry and how they've, there's a lot of places where they've established machine learning and cameras for maintenance. And mm-hmm. so as the trains are going down the road, not only can they detect the, the wheels and what needs to be maintained or what, but it's also there in wherever this was. They're videotaping every tunnel they go through. They're taking videos of every um, station they go through. And through machine learning, they've learned to be able to detect things like cracks in the structure, areas that need to be fixed or safety concerns and whatever it may be. And so this whole system, just as the train goes, it's constantly pulling this feedback of things like, what is, you know, where is there a crack in the foundation of a tunnel? Where do we need to go and fix something of a station? So it's interesting how we look at something like that and then apply directly to what you're talking about here in, in our industry of, of just safety concerns and everything from that we could feed it through a process of machine learning. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you nailed it. And that's where we start seeing these, this cross-pollination of technologies in different industry verticals, right? Um, and, and when we look at even the security industry, the fact that they went from these old VCRs and coax cable to get video feeds back to using more modern IT network type technologies is a great example of that. And, and these other market verticals can benefit from these, these improvements. And you're, and you're right on. I mean, we, we learn from various industries. And I think that's one of the, the um, luxuries we have at LiveView Technologies is the different verticals we see are different enough, but their problems are solved in similar ways and we can leverage experience from one industry into the other. Um, like I said, we started in construction, we ended up in retail, right? But the problems were kind of similar enough that we could we could develop solutions that would apply to both. But yeah, I, I totally agree with your statement there. Yeah, I think that um, in terms of machine learning and using this technology with that, the two big areas where it could be most impactful are one, safety, which safety is the most important part of any job site. But number two is logistics. So are you handling deliveries in the most efficient way? Um, you know, maybe you could fly a drone and see the entire site 
are you using the space on the site as efficiently as you can in terms of storage of materials um, and you know things like that are you putting the building together as efficiently as you possibly can um, that's what i can see in the future for this well yeah future and i think those things are happening today um, you know when when you were when you're giving your example I, I i thought of a customer of ours that uh up in the balkan in the north in north dakota they were uh, delivering water trucks to all the different wells and all they all they had was just this constant stream of trucks that were leaving this pumping station and then in route they would have a dispatch center that had all the cameras on all the different wells saying okay yeah you're going to go over to this well and you're going to go to this well and they were deploying them in real time based on the efficiencies that they wanted and so again you know when you're looking at supplies being delivered to different construction sites and and whatever yeah i mean this this technology definitely helps with that um and, and that's stuff you can see in real time but as you're looking at machine learning you know the, the all these these trucks now i mean these these excavating trucks have have really complex technologies with gps locations on them and and other types of sensors that are just data streams that can help feed that information in um that's the great thing about machine learning is like you don't even know what it is you don't know yet until you run it through the algorithm and it starts pointing things out at you, right? That's what's so great about it. And the challenge is, is how do you get the data back in a cost-effective manner um, where you can actually start running those types of algorithms on there? And yeah, we're just on the tip of the iceberg with this stuff. As we wrap up, one thing I'd like to hear from both of you on this, and it kind of got the idea when I was reading an article or a blog right off your website, and I, it may have been Steve, you that talked about this, but um, we've, we've heard a little bit about the solar panels. You even talked about, um, Dave, other alternative sources for energy and something that I'm curious about is, you know, what's that one thing when we're creating piece of technology, what's that one thing that we need to keep in mind to be able to have a positive social impact? Um, I, you know, when I saw this blog on your article, it talked right to that, like having a positive social impact. So I really want to hear from both of you is from your perspective. You know, what is important? What does that mean? And, and what is that thing to you? Whoever wants to go first. So, Steve, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, from a social impact perspective, right? And, and, and this is stuff we take really serious around here. You know, the why. Why do we do what we do? You know, what gets us out of bed in the morning? And quite honestly, um, we find ourselves in a lot of situations where we do make a big difference. Um, safety for all of us is a, is a paramount, you know, thing, whatever that, whatever safety means to you um, and to your loved ones, your family, your friends. Um, so whether we're providing a safer environment on a construction site, right? I, I want my brother to come home. He's a roofer. I want him to come home, right? Um, whether we're providing um, some type of safety tool in your local grocery store or wherever you might be, um, you know, we've, we've done everything from solve major violent crimes we've been involved with kidnappings and, and res, you know resulting in, in in good things that we think that we're giving back to the community on a daily basis just by providing new innovations that speak to becoming a safer place um, in today's world to us that means a lot um, and we work hand in hand with a lot of law enforcement agencies and other you know security specialists who do phenomenal jobs and their jobs aren't easy. Um, but for us, if we can be a small part of making the world a safer place, to me, there is no greater social impact. Steve, go ahead. Yeah, I, I wanna take a little bit different view of this. Um, I wanna look at the unintended consequences, look at this. Um, 
as a developer of products, we get always excited about these new innovations um, around how it makes the environments better, cleaner, how it is more sustainable and those types of things. Um, we, we always have these unintended consequences that we just don't think about. And I'll give you one example is, remember the old CFL light bulbs um, that uh, they were the fluorescent, compact fluorescent light bulbs and they had the like, like spiral looking thing. We were all excited about them as a society because they were lower power. We wanted a lower power light bulb than the in incandescent light bulbs. So we rush into this all excited about it. And then we forget about the consequences of the materials after the light has been spent. And what do we do with that, right? And the toxic chemicals that were in those things and putting them in landfills and those types of things. That's just one example of what I'm talking about. And when we get all excited about these technologies, we always have to think about the unintended consequence. I mean, we're all excited about electric vehicles, but we've got these batteries which have these toxic chemicals in them that are gonna wear out. What do we do with these things, right? So we always have to think about all of this when we're thinking about these new advances in technology um, and the impact that it would have on the environment. So as an engineer who develops these things, we always have to think about, okay, what happens with this thing when it's done, right? So we have this trailer with metal. What, what is it that we can do with these things when we're done with them? What do we do with our batteries when we're done with them, right? So there's all of these unintended consequences that we need to look at. And I think as a society, those are the types of things that we need to always keep in mind because it's easy to get caught up in the hype of something. Uh, let's move to this efficient thing and then we forget about this other thing. And then, you know, we haven't done any, we, have, we don't have a net positive in anything that we've done. <laughs> so anyway, that's just one thing I like to think about. I think it's great. Well, guys, we really appreciate you joining us. This was really fun. Yeah, thank you for well, your time. Thank you. This was enjoyable. It's always fun to go. On with thank Dave. you guys. Thank you.